0: Hey everyone and welcome back to the coffee with Shay or shy podcast I genuinely don't care how you pronounce it um quit asking me anyways so I am your host Shay Shy, whatever you say and I am really excited season three has been probably one of the most exciting seasons for me as a content creator as a podcast host As just a human being sitting down and having real human conversations with people, um, today's topics are a little on the heavy side, which gets me excited but nervous because there's a lot of truth that's being told, and it's like my truth, and it's this person's truth. And it's our story of how everything went down. It may not have the other person's truth and the other person's story, but that's okay. I'm talking about things I haven't talked about since I think I was like 16 and 17 when it all happened and um, nervous about that and kind of just some heavier topics, but I'm really excited for today's conversation. Um, I think it's going to be good. So ironically, I found somebody with my exact same name, exact same spelling, so I'm going to go ahead and let our lovely guest introduce themselves.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Cheyenne also, you can call me Shy, Shay, whatever comes out of your mouth, I'll respond to it. Um, I am an Illinois native that moved to Colorado six years ago with my now husband, and I'm also nervous to talk about these topics today, but... Very excited to get this 10 years off of my chest and just kind of relieve it to someone who I can trust in and to everyone else that's listening that might have a similar story.
0: Yeah, so we're both native Midwesterns. What's it like being a Midwestern moving to like another part of the
1: country that isn't Midwest? It is so weird. So when I first moved to Colorado, everyone told me that I had an accent and I had no clue what they were talking about. I was like, I don't have an accent. What are you talking about? Um, And literally it's how I say Italian. And then they're like, yep, you're from Chicago. I'm like, how? That was like the biggest shock for me is learning that how I speak is completely different. And that's not super different than where I'm currently staying. Um, But other than that, it's, much more beautiful there's mountains there's things to do outside and I'm not stuck inside all day
0: my grandpa is like a midwest native so I was born in Texas my grandma was southern so my grandpa was actually like a midwestern truly at heart and he used to pronounce it italian and I was like why
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah uh, the widest widest of all sounding ways to pronounce Italian is Italian. Oh yeah <laughs> it's worse than the time that I pronounced uh jalapeno jalapeno and no one let me live it oh down. no oh gosh I don't know if I can let you
1: live that one down
0: <laughs> my problem is like I say things phonetically like how it's like how it's actually like spelled out versus like how it sounds and that's the complicated part and that is why like when so many people learn English they have such a difficult time learning English because well it doesn't it's not phonetically how is that you know right it's not accurate (laughs) yeah so my other question before we kind of get into our topics is What are you sipping on? Tell the viewers some something good that we can all go and get after
1: or while listening to this episode. I am a chai girly. So my go-to drink at Starbucks is an iced chai with two pumps of apple brown sugar or when it's out of season two pumps of regular brown sugar and oat milk. Tastes like fall all year round. It's amazing. Oh my gosh
0: I just yesterday got this apple pie spiced creamer and it's limited edition of course
1: oh yeah of course that's like gold it's but it. I know it's
0: good it probably tastes very close to the drink that you're talking about
1: yeah I guarantee
0: yeah. it does I also get like salted caramel into like Pretty much everything i love salted caramel i love caramel in general so if i were to get your drink the only way i'd modify it is adding like a hint of caramel
1: oh that would be so good or even a topping of cinnamon
0: yes perfect perfect so today's topics are honestly pretty heavy um when talking about these topics i just want to give a trigger trigger warning to somebody Um, We are talking about addiction. We are talking about abuse. So domestic abuse, um, violence happening to a partner, but also violence happening to a kid. Um, And so we just really want to ensure that I'm giving that, that note. Um, As you can tell, the title is My Ex Won't Get Away With This. It does talk about some exes, but we're also talking about strenuous relationships with people who have addiction are inactive addiction or have had addiction and so just a warning for you as a listener if this is too heavy of a topic feel free to just skip past this episode Um, if you though want somebody to connect to this is the great like a great great episode for you to connect to somebody so starting off our first topic is talking about an abusive relationship with someone in high school. So this one is really hard. You and I are criers, so this is gonna be very interesting to sit and have this conversation, but it's a hard topic for me personally. I haven't told my truth. I okay. I have here and there on Facebook where you know the majority of my hometown people are on there, but I haven't really been like as open about it because the person is a pivotal community member in my hometown and while others watch the abuse happen and there's proof that it did happen it doesn't matter how much proof you can give in a domestic violence situation people still don't believe you
1: right exactly and for me too I the only reason I have gotten some of my story out there is because I did move and I was able to tell people that no, absolutely no one related to me or no one from my hometown so that I can confide in them, get it off my chest a little bit, kind of open up about how that shaped me and being who I am today. And they believe me. And that was part of the reason that I wanted to come on your podcast and continue to share that story is because I did get heard and I did get believed. And now I have that confidence to tell it to you guys.
0: Yeah. So um, my story, and, and we'll get into your story. My story happened, I was dating a, I was 15 at the time, started dating this 18 year old man. Okay, I don't know why an 18 year old man wants to date a 15 year old. But you have to think I was a sophomore, and he was a senior. So seemingly, there shouldn't have been that big of a difference with our age, but I was younger in all of my grade levels that I've always been in, I've always been one of the youngest. And it started off okay, like it started off fine. Um, and then I think, I want to say it July, so we would gotten into our first year, and it was July of our first year, we, this is a hard story to tell. But we were in the car with uh, a friend of mine. And she was driving, but she was driving really like, sporadically, and it was, like, really terrible, and it was just, like, not very good, and of course, like, we're all very young, so a 15-year-old really shouldn't be driving, but they are, and so we're driving, and he starts to get frustrated and mad, and this isn't the first time I've seen anger from him. His face turns red. He got very mad all the time, but it wasn't always aimed at me, and he gets really upset and starts yelling and cussing and he grabs me by the neck and chokes me out not enough that I lost breath or you know was able to like I lost breath clearly but not enough to like put me to sleep or anything but real hard touching me there and it scared the living hell out of me and the other girl that was in the car and He was like, instantly like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And then it kept happening. I kept getting left in places. I remember getting left, like we were in the next town over 30 minutes from my house and he left me at a Taco Bell because he got mad at me and he drove off. And he was screaming at me and he screamed at me all the time. His parents heard it and he would scream at me in the bedroom. He was off to college during this time. So we didn't see each other, but on the weekends and he would scream at me every time he come home. And thankfully the last time he touched me was my neck the first and last time, but it doesn't excuse the emotional abuse that continued to happen and being screamed at. And he used to tell me because my parents screamed at me a lot too growing up that it was the only way to get through to me. And it was the most horrific thing I think anyone has ever said to me. And we continue on and we were out in the field one time and, or we were out at his house and he leaves me at his house with his parents. His parents are not understanding what's going on. He's screaming and yelling at me. He drives off, goes to like a cornfield to calm down. And I remember that was it. That was the last time I was like, I'm done. I can't keep doing this anymore. And this is all like footnote version. There's way more violence that happened in between that. But footnote version, that's what happened. And I broke up with him and my grandparents were really mad at me. They're like, why would you break up with him? And I had to eventually tell them what happened. And it took everything of my parents to not report that to the cops. Why would you? The cops are on his dime cops are on you know a public figure and his family has been farmers for long times like no they're on his dime why would you do that why would they believe the outsiders and the last time I saw him is I gave him his Christmas presents that I had bought him and he gave me mine and he begged me to continue
1: dating and I said no and that was it I am so proud of you that is very similar to stuff that I went through with mine as well. Um, I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that. I'm glad that you're okay and that you're out of it. That is the best part, is that you overcame the bullshit that he put you through. And yes, it's a one and done, one time thing of putting his hands around you. But like you said, the emotional that came after not acceptable. So I'm proud of you for getting out of that and being who you are today. That's huge.
0: Thank you. It was, um, I, Kurt, you have a daughter and I know you're not listening to this and I'm sorry. I know you have a daughter and I know you have a wife and I hope that you never put your hands on them. I hope that you never hurt them or that your daughter doesn't experience the same thing that I did at 16 years old. That's my story. So what's your story, Shy?
1: Oh, similar. <laughs> I, my story starts when I was 17. I ended up falling for a 16 year old. He was a software in my high school. Um, so I was a junior and he actually just finished dating one of my friends. Um, her and I had a falling out and it took everything in me to not be with him and then he asked me to homecoming we went to homecoming it was a great time um and then flat fast forward to three months into our relationship um it's then holiday time january february of 2013 and he got mad that i said merry christmas to one of my friends um because it was a man And I have been friends with this person since I was five. So that was hard for me to not wish this person a Merry Christmas or Happy Holiday Season. And so he put his hands around my neck. I remember being on the couch with him and my mom was sleeping. And he put his hands around my neck and my face was in the pillow. And same as you, I didn't lose consciousness or anything, but I did... I remember that. I remember that moment very clearly. Um, That, again, that's 10 years ago and it still haunts me to this day. Um, And then that was not the last of the physical abuse from him. He punches, he would punch me if I was on my period because we couldn't have sex, because that's what he wanted. It was his rules or nothing. I would get punched if I didn't come over to his house in the middle of the night, knowing that his parents didn't want me there, knowing that the reason he just wanted me there was so that he can hit it and quit it, literally, so that he can go cheat on me the next day. He cheated on me throughout our, our entire two-year relationship. And when I finally broke up with him, he sent me to jail because I slapped him. And that was the eye-opening piece for me of. I'm glad I'm getting out right now. I never laid my hands on him, but he laid his hands on me, Press charges. And then he went on to continue to abuse one of the girls that he cheated on me with for six years. And since that relationship ended, her and I are friends. Um, I'm proud of her for getting out of it too. He ended up taking a baseball bat to her car. And again, it's not the full story there's a lot more details but that's the main gist and I think that any amount is very unacceptable. Um he should have never put his hands on me. He should have never put his hands on Shannon. So uh, sorry <laughs> holding them back. So Kane if you're listening to this I hope you never touch a woman ever again. Because if it's not just me, it's everyone else you have spoken to. And the letter that I've received saying that you molested your little sister, not okay, not okay.
0: I equally am so incredibly sorry that there was a person out there who thought it was okay to hurt you and thought it was okay to do the things that they did to you and the things that they did to other people. And I'm proud of you because that story reminds people, you know, you can get out, you can get out of it. And it's, and it's going to be hard and it's going to be tough and it's going to be rough. And I hope the next person that dates, that person believes you. And I'm glad that they did and I'm because they experience it and it's hard and it's tough continuing continuing to you're not accepting abuse because that's not what's happening. Continuously being abused and manipulated and lied to and and cheated on. You know, you're not sitting and accepting it. You're just doing all you can to survive.
1: And that's what okay. you did. Thank you. And I'm very proud too because now I'm married to the love of my life who does treat me like a queen and does care about the stuff that I've been through. He doesn't want to know the details, but he knows that it's it wasn't a good time for me. And he, I've been with him for nine years now. And there's better out there. I promise there is. I think
0: when you when you recover from that situation you know because you're in recovery from a for a long time you're you're going to be in recovery for the rest of your life when you're in recovery and you find somebody that is willing to piece together the heartbreak that they didn't cause there's something really beautiful about that person and I cry thinking about my partner in the same way of like there's a lot of broken pieces and not to say I'm a broken person, but there's a lot of broken pieces inside my heart that he is willing to pick up, dust off, and and take care of. I, I remember distinctly being like, thinking for me, yelling always worked. Yelling at other people worked. Yelling, you know, and it's still something I have to work on because when you are in an abusive situation, and you learn these abusive ways, you also sometimes create that cycle of abuse, of abuse, too. And you don't realize that you're doing that, because to you, that was normal. Right? That was a normalcy. And so when he said, segueing into kind of our our other parts, when he said, you know, your parents yell at you, that's the only way to get through to you. It was really hard to hear hard to say okay you've been abused your whole life by somebody let me continue doing it because I also think that that abuse is okay
1: right yeah that is using a weakness against you that should never be touched when it's not he's not the one that brought you up and yes being yelled at is not correct but that's how you were brought up and that is what worked for you. But it's not what works in a relationship that is so unhealthy. And to have those unhealthy relationships bring you up and then you get stuck in that relationship that continues it. It's so hard to recognize until you're out of it. And that it took me a good while to realize I was losing friends. I was losing family members that didn't wanna talk to me because I was with him. And that was the biggest piece for me is, okay, now I'm out. I'm done with him. My best friend came back into my life. I haven't gone a day without talking to her. Those people are there for you. They just can't watch you go through it. You know, and that is, people just need to see that before it gets too far where you do lose them for good. Um, My best friend, Paige, she, I stopped talking to her for a good eight months because I was told by my ex that she didn't like me. She wasn't a good friend. What? No, I'm a good friend. No, (laughs) she's a great friend. She absolutely adores me. I was a bridesmaid in her wedding. I flew out to be with her for her special day. And she still loves me for what I went through. She just couldn't watch me do it. She couldn't be that close to me for it. So Any of you that are listening to this, if you have noticed that one of your friends or close family members has been distant from you, it could be because they don't want to see you go through something like this and they just don't know how to tell you. And this is their way of kind of stepping back to support you, but also to support you in a different sense of you can get out of this and I'm here for you when you do and you can call me if you need me. So reach out to those friends, they will help you. I promise that.
0: It's hard because I have a different experience where those friends enabled it. And and not trying to call those people out. You know, you were 16 years old. What were you gonna be able to do either? He has his hands on my neck. He's gonna have his hands on your neck too. And I don't blame them all these years for never saying anything. The issue, I guess, that I find now is when I've spoken out against it, I would hope that if, you know, we're not Facebook friends or anything, these people and I are not. But if I were to sit and openly be Facebook friends with these people and be around these people that they would stick up for me. And I don't know if that's true because, you know, one of them is also in a relationship with somebody that was way too old for them and now they're like married. And it's like, do you, do you think that was okay? Wow. Do you think that that like relationship with somebody who is much older than you is okay? Do you not think that you were groomed? And so I don't think that those people would stick up for me.
1: Wow. I'm so sorry. It's it's heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. It's a tough situation. And yeah, the, the true friends, like you said, weren't around in the same way, the true friends weren't around. And I, I don't know if it's because they didn't I don't think they even knew about the abuse to be honest I don't think I was open about it and I think I was honest about it they knew like I lived in an abusive household and stuff and they knew that but it's like that I had my first I wouldn't say first love I would say like first puppy love like first puppy love ended up repeating a cycle of abuse that I had that I dealt with my entire life and that's so crazy that that happened
1: Yeah.
0: Segwaying really into our next topic is that cycle of abuse, being in a cycle of abuse. And so you and I had a very open conversation about grief and losing. And we have different perspectives on it, which I think is really interesting. So, in my perspective, I lost a parent, and I hate to always talk ill of him, and it's not talking ill, it's just really telling the truth. I was raised by a very narcissistic mother slash grandmother, and then my, my dad slash grandpa was an angel compared to her. He was the better parent. He wasn't the best parent. And he tried his best and he did as best as he could, but there are still fatal flaws that he had made that definitely still impact me to this day. And that's, that's really hard, you know, losing that parent. But you and I were talking more about like addiction and your experience of losing your parent and my experience of forgiving my mom who's in addiction. Um, we had a, we had a different perspective on that one because if you all don't know, listening, my mom dropped us off at the doorstep of my grandparents' house at four years old and said, bye-bye, see ya. And while now I look at that as like, kind of like a noble and brave decision, when I was a kid, it was the first sign of abandonment, the first sign of abuse happening to me. And Since then, my mom has been in and out of my life for a while, long time, like in out. And she's always been an active addiction. And about a couple weeks ago, I called my mom up out of the blue and I said, Hey, I forgive you. And she was like, What? I said, You had a fucking miserable childhood. Miserable childhood. And I forgive you. I forgive you for giving us up. I think you made a brave decision. I forgive you for all the years of addiction. I forgive you for all the things that you've done. But the reason that I did that is because when you continue to hold on to anger and hurt, the only person it's hurting is you. That's it. And so I forgave my mom. And that was one of the hardest things that I think I've done to love somebody who may not be deserving of your love and to not continue punishing and judging somebody because we judge people with addiction so bad, like really bad. And we stigmatize it and we don't look at it for what it is, a mental health crisis. And so your experience is a little different. Talk to me about that experience.
1: Yeah, my experience, so I grew up in a kind of split household. My mom was the good parent, and my dad was the raging alcoholic that she ended up having him live in our basement because she felt that she couldn't divorce him because of the kids. So I have an older brother. He's four years older than me, and my mom always believed that I have to stay with your dad because he's your dad. And I can't put you guys through that until you're old enough to go through it. And my dad was, he had no job. He couldn't stick a job. He would go to work for a day and then just come home and drink and just hang out downstairs all day, every day. The times that he did come upstairs and was around the family, we were always fighting. We were always, always, always fighting he I remember the day that he threatened to blow the house up with just me in it and I'm like eight (laughs) and like that for him to say that freaked me out because oh my god if I'm ever home alone I could die I could be in a house fire I yeah and it just it's a very scary thing to hear from the person that created you you know um he went to rehab two three probably four times from my childhood and every single time said, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. And I did judge him for that because he never did better. He always got worse. And I, let's see, my senior year of high school, my mom finally dropped him and said, we can't do this no more. And this, and it's because I had a test that day and he got up at three in the morning broke my dog's water bowl. And my mom said, fuck that, we're done. We're done. Kicked him out. I went to school, aced my test and she texted me and she was like, I'm getting an order of protection on him today, can I include you on it? I said, yes, please. Haven't spoken to him since. It has been a long 14 years and he passed away last year and I didn't get that closure. I Sorry. I said I'm sorry. <laughs> I Oh, well, thank you. Um I definitely wish that I did because I wish I could tell him how that affected me as a 16, 17-year-old. Um the times where he would be drunk off his ass and laying in the busy street in the middle of the night, just waiting to get hit by a car. I don't know how he survived to be 60, to be very honest with you. He ended up homeless in Seattle because my uncle lives in Seattle. My uncle ended up kicking him out because of his alcohol. And he ended up homeless for a good four years before he passed, broke his leg. I saw multiple, um, news articles about him and I feel for my brother too because my brother did want to get closure with him actually had a trip booked (laughs) for the month after my dad passed and so both of us don't know how to handle that you know um he he was very Emotionally abusive. He was never physically abusive. He would just make empty threats. I just that I could have said something to him in the last fourteen years instead of just completely cutting him off. off. So, we're um, um, so when he passed, I didn't know. At first, when my grandma told me, I said. Sorry, what happened? We were just experiencing a
0: little wow. bit of technical difficulties, but I think we're back now.
1: Perfect. Um, he definitely... I Like I said, I wish I could have said something to him to get some sort of closure for the last 14 years where I didn't speak a word to him. Um, a lot has happened to me in that 14 years and a lot of growth has happened that he has no idea about. He didn't. And I did not know how to handle hearing his death. At first, I was like, okay, awesome. Like, why do I care? And then as it processed, it was, oh shit, you don't have that chance. So I never got to tell him that I forgive him and that he can start to be a part of my life. And for me, that's the hardest part is I do have part of me that does forgive him and now I'm back in that grief stage of and now I'm angry at you again because you left before I could tell you and I was gonna ask do you think you would have forgived him yeah I do and I think it's because of my brother um because my brother wanted to and I wanted to support that and he Book that trip and just never was able to take it because a month earlier is when we got the call that my dad had a stroke. Uh, And I think I also would have forgiven him because my mom did pass in 2020 so it's been almost four years of that. And she wouldn't have been able to stop me from forgiving him. Um, and just reminding me of what he put all of us through. Um, So that is part of the reason that I think I would have done it. I just never got that chance. I think
0: part of the reason I forgave my mom was because of basically this moment. I think the idea that I have with it is that um, if there is a God, it's not for me to judge it is for God to judge and God to punish and that if I'm doing that what kind of person does that make me just creates a cycle of abuse
1: I also think that part of my cycle of abuse is that I he was narcissistic. narcissist he was let's break really quick for a brief ad and
0: then we'll come back okay hey everyone welcome back sorry for that little brief moment that we had some tough technical difficulties um thank you for listening to that ad remember every time you listen to an ad it puts like 20 20 cents into my pocket i really like two cents into my pocket um I'm honestly if you guys are thinking about eating the rich, please do not include me in that eat the rich, okay? Cuz it's not me. But anyways, we were talking about how forgiveness is like a hard situation to be in. So we were also talking about the idea of like if there is a god, um he should be the one doing punishment and judgment. How do you feel about that?
1: I agree cuz I don't know exactly what I believe in in terms of like a higher power. But I do think I do believe in karma. And I do believe that that's not up to me. It is up to whatever power is out there. Um, So I totally agree in that sense. I'm not necessarily a, oh, yeah, it's God that's doing this. It's there's something, there's a different energy out there that I don't know.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of like where I'm at. So like, if you're religious and you're listening to this, I'm, you can say God, you can say whoever the universe, but ultimately I think forgiveness is not to be given because I, so I think when you give forgiveness, a lot of people think it's for the other person, but I think it's more so for yourself.
1: If that. I would agree with that. I, I feel better already knowing that I was going to, to forgive my dad. And that to me is the most closure that I am going to get if I'm being honest, but also at the same time, I feel like a sense of relief in that forgiveness.
0: Yeah. When my dad passed away, it there's this Taylor Swift song that Swifties have been using on TikTok here lately and it's like stuck at the restaurant. And I I didn't know that it was, like, about relationships. I thought about it as, like, my dad. I remember, like, it was a week and my dad had gotten sick. And he had called me two, three days before, you know, saying, I love you, sissy. I miss you. Can't wait to hang out with you when I get back. All those things. And I just distinctly, you know, remember okay, this is this is the closure that I was, this is the only closure I was going to be given. And that whole stuck at the restaurant, it makes me feel like, like when my dad passed, I was at work and I was essentially stuck at the restaurant. Like I was stuck in my office, frozen, not understanding why this was happening when I got the news that my dad passed away and it was like the hardest thing that ever happened to me and so i can understand you have to just accept the closure that you were that you are giving yourself
1: i agree and like the closure that you do give yourself is up to you that is your chance to break free of everything that you're battling within that you're not admitting to yourself. And it does feel much more relieving in that sense.
0: Yeah, because I mean, you just, at the end of the day, it's like, you have to accept what you get. And and I remember, you know, sitting there at this, in my office, it was like 4, 4, 4.30. And I worked till five, cause I had an eight to five. And I remember sitting there and being comforted by my coworkers when I heard that my dad passed away. And I was just frozen. And my biggest regret that I that I live with now, because I wrote a little, a little blurb in my journal, my biggest regret that I have is that I didn't just say, fuck work, drove the two hours to go see him in the hospital, even if it was on his deathbed, and saw him for the last time. But I have to think that at least i saw him when he was healthy and well and that was my closure and then i didn't have to see him passing
1: my i guess my question to that would be how how do you feel today with not being able to see his passing when sorry that's a hard, it's a hard question because I am on the other end where with my mom, when she passed, I was there holding her hand for her last breath. And that to me was one of the most important moments of my life. And I think her life too, um, to be there with her daughter. And so I guess like as someone who hasn't seen that side of it of, I could have been there. What goes through your head today about that?
0: I journaled about this. I journaled a lot about this, but I regret not holding my grandma when she learned that her husband of 15 plus years passed, when she watched him take his last breath. I regret not holding my brother when he learned that the only dad he had ever known that cared about him passed. And so yes, there's a part of me that wishes I could have been a present in that moment, not because I wanted to see him take his last breath, but because I wanted to hold my my family through a really complicated time in their life and a really, really tough time. And so I think that's why.
1: I, I love that because I think that's one of the things when you and I were talking a couple weeks ago that I loved about you is that you are very people-oriented and people-driven and you don't just focus on yourself. And that's something that I find very valuable as a personality. And I think that's one of the reasons that I vibed with you, aside from us sharing the same name. (laughs) I, I totally think that that is a huge quality to have. Um, to be there for your family, and I'm sorry that you weren't, but at the same time, like you, you care about not just yourself, and that is so important. But at the end of the day, you also have to care about yourself and say "fuck that." Let's drive two hours. I, and it's funny that you said that because my so my current job. Uh, My husband wants to take me on a three-day long, like, let's just have a date weekend. And I said, I don't know if I can make it happen because I have to work. And then like thinking about our conversation, it's like, no, I need to make that fucking happen. Are you kidding me? Because I could miss an important moment and a great memory for the rest of our lives, you know? So like taking the small two hour drive, make it worth it and fuck work (laughs) I'm over work (laughs) no I mean
0: I sit there and I live every day thinking like I just wish when I had gotten the news that I would have just drove the two hours and I wasn't at work you know I wish that I did but when my my grandma mom needed me at the funeral I held my older brother as he paid for his own father's funeral. I held my brother, my younger brother, as he sat with his friend who also looked up to my dad and I sat there and I held them both. And I held my grandma when she collapsed to the ground, crying breathless because she had just seen him there laying in the casket. And I remember her handing me his ring and saying, I want him to wear his wedding ring. And I had to put it on. And I did that for her because I wanted I wanted her to have that. I wanted him to go into afterlife, whatever you believe in, with his wedding ring. And that was the hardest, hardest moment. And I think that's part of the reason, I don't know if I could have been there as he passed, holding his hand like you did with your mom, because holding a cold, lifeless hand it still sticks with me to this day i still feel it
1: wow that is wow that is so heart tugging like pulling on those heartstrings you know like i can't imagine what that must have felt like for you but you're also so strong for being able to do that for the people that you do love so like kudos to you because that is, that's hard, very hard. I really, truly
0: believe that, you know, you did that for your mom. In your mom's final moments, you were able to give her the peace and comfort that she needed. And knowing that she had that and knowing that, you know, she was surrounded by somebody that that loved her. And that's how i feel my my grandpa dad was surrounded by people that loved him. It wasn't everyone, but he was surrounded by people who loved him and it was it's i mean you do what you can <laughs> for the people you love exactly <laughs> exactly it's hard i didn't I didn't know about your mom's passing, and so that's definitely you know, we're just two strangers having a coffee date anyways, but I did not know about your mom's passing. And I'm also just as equally sorry to hear that. Thank you.
1: It. I was glad at the timing, um, just because now that I'm living in Colorado, it's a thousand miles away, that she ended up passing three weeks before the world shut down for COVID. So that was, I didn't have to worry about my mom being stuck in a nursing home. With a bunch of people that actually don't give a fuck about her because they're just there to make money and care for everyone else in that nursing home. So I when I look back at it now, like, yes, I wish that my mom was still here, but also I'm grateful that she passed when she did, because I had I had friends that were emergency room nurses that were going to check on her when I was getting food. So I I, she was surrounded by love till her very last breath. And that was so huge to see because she didn't have that outside of the hospital visits. (laughs) And like she felt that she was alone in all of her thoughts and the things that she's been through since she was a kid because she lived a very difficult life. And it was... I'm just grateful for the timing to be very honest with you, but I really do appreciate it.
0: (laughs) I think that's part of the reason I forgave my mom is because she also lived a very difficult life and no one's given her the love that she should have gotten from her parents. It's weird when you get older, you start to view your parents, not from like a parent lens, but an adult lens. And it's weird to sit and like see them as as people who were also hurt children.
1: Right, I agree. I, I definitely view my parents as almost like a peer. And like, yeah, they're not on this earth with me anymore. But like, like you said, like I imagine what they're going through as if they're the same age as me, you know? And like, how can I prevent that from happening to myself? And like, what things to look out for And I truly believe that they went through those hardships so that I didn't have to go through them because I can watch for what's coming next for me and keep that close to heart so that it doesn't become as drastic as what they've been through.
0: I think that's wild that you say that. And do you wanna know why it's wild that you say that? Yes, please. (laughs) It's wild that you say that because I remember distinctly not drinking alcohol and not doing drugs. And, you know, I don't do drugs. I hardly drink alcohol. But every single time I pick up a drink or, you know, smoking in college or whatever, I always thought of my parent. I always did. And, like, I was like, I don't want to do that
1: same I don't drink very often I drink in a social setting and I when I do it's am I going to become addicted to this am I going to end up like my father and lose a family that I don't want to lose so like I I agree with you there I think about it a lot and I try to prevent it because I don't want to be unhappy the way my parents were unhappy. I always
0: viewed my mom as like a learning experience, like what you were saying. I viewed my mom as a learning experience, but I didn't think about it in the lens that you're saying it in, and it's like interesting because I, I'm like, damn, she's right though. <laughs> like she's right.
1: <laughs> That's how I. Oh need my to gosh! Yes. <laughs> Like, that's how I should think about it. (laughs) Well, and like, that was why I was so excited to talk to you more is because we do have different views on our lives, but we've been through similar shit.
0: I know. (laughs) And
1: we see it differently because obviously we went through different scenarios, but for the most part, you and I have a very similar history of our upbringing and things that we've been through. And I was very excited to hear about, like, how you, how you view things today. I think
0: now, today, um, I still live with a lot of sadness in my heart over my dad's passing. But I think that my dad passing was probably one of the, and it's really weird to say this, it's so weird to say this, was one of the greatest, like, things to happen to me it was one of the hardest, but it was one of the greatest things to happen to me because I got myself into therapy. I started taking medication. I worked with a psychologist, you know, going forward. And I did all of these really great things in order to like heal myself because it was either let that death kill me. And it it did kill my brother. Like, I mean, my brother is still living, but like it killed a part of my brother for a really long time. Like, and, and it was so sad because, you know, my dad passed away in December. And then in March, April, my brother was in a an accident that almost killed him. And so I was like, fuck, we got to get our shit together. And it was like one of the greatest things that happened to me because I got my shit together. Because I knew that my dad wouldn't want to see me not getting my shit together. He wouldn't see he wouldn't want me to be like
1: my brother and end up near death right i am i'm glad your brother is okay first of all that's very hard um i i agree i think that being it, it is hard to say that like that's one of the best things to happen to you but you can't grow and have a growth mindset unless you go through those things And I'm a firm, firm believer that everything happens for a reason. And your dad's passing is the reason that you're so strong. It is part of like who you are and why you do the things that you do and why you speak the way that you speak, you know? My question to you is, I'll get into that in a second, actually. I have never gone to therapy. That is something that scares me because I don't know where to start. I don't know, like, where do where do I search on Google for a therapist for my issues? Because I never had anxiety. I didn't have depression until this past year after losing both of my parents. And now I'm considered an orphan. <laughs> um, but like, how do you start that conversation of I need to go to therapy? Because it is something that I've been wanting to look into. I just, it scares me.
0: I think for me, it started with having a real and honest moment with yourself and saying, do I want to continue living like this? Do I want my grief to continue controlling me for the rest of my life in all aspects? And then also, as you were saying, using those people as an example, do I want to be like those people for the rest of my life? That's how it started, was having a real and honest question with yourself of like, if I continue living my life the way that I am right now, how happy and fulfilling am I going
1: to feel? I love that. That, it, that lessens the blow of how scary therapy can be. Um, my, I guess, do you do like virtual or do you do in-person therapy? So I did in person
0: in college um, and then I did virtual after my dad's passing and I personally like virtual much better. While I think that they're reading your body language still, I think it's a lot easier to like feel more comfortable in your own space talking to a therapist rather than meeting them in their space. And so I felt more comfortable being in my own space and I was able to make time for therapy during work days and stuff like that by doing virtual. So I'm a huge advocate of virtual
1: for the most part. Love that. Well, thank you for sharing that with me because like I said, that is something that I do want to start looking into because I don't want the grief to continue to rule me. And the way I was explained grief when my mom first passed what And this is going to be such a weird analogy. Um, and my husband is the one that found this online actually because he struggled with my mom's death as well. And it's, grief is like a button in a box with a ball. So anytime your ball is moving around and grief is like still very fresh. So like, let's say something happened a week ago. That ball is going to hit that button so often and then it starts to dwindle down. So now I'm on year four of my mom's passing and that button doesn't get hit very often, but when it does, it hits like a truck <laughs> and it's I'm never prepared for it. And then I'll have a panic attack and I don't know why and I have to figure out like, hey, this is what's happening. And that's part of the reason that I don't want to continue to live like that is because those panic attacks are rough. And yeah. I do want to start being able to tell a professional so that I can get that grief counseling and I can get that support in the future, you know. So thank you for sharing that because that's super helpful.
0: Of course, yeah. I think in the day-to-day, I don't sit I would probably say every week, you know, I think about him probably a couple times. I think the best thing, and I I know that this is not really funny to say, but when you have ADHD, object permanence is a really big thing. And when someone's not present, you kind of forget that they exist. And it's not like I forget that he exists. It's kind of like I'm not thinking about him as much. And I have a picture of him on my desk. So I'm constantly looking at him all day long. But the way that it affects me is different. Like, talking about it is still kind of hard. I can get through it better. But really being able to like, one, feel the emotions when they do happen has been very helpful for me. Two, sitting and having moments of journaling and talking to somebody and sharing good stories. And three, being vulnerable and honest with yourself on where you are and understanding that grief is, it's not a straight and narrow, it's it's up and down and it's crisscross applesauce and it's here, there, near where, whatever. And it's crazy, but you know, I think, yeah, you probably have gotten to a good phase when it comes to not a good phase, but like a, a good understanding with your mother. And then you got hit with the second wave of grief and you're not only dealing with grief, but you're also dealing with the emotional abuse that happened and also like not having closure. And that's really difficult because closure every time you know something passes we always want closure and we're not always gonna get closure and it's hard.
1: Very well said. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's this
0: is a very difficult situation. I mean I mean, I remember talking to like my friend, I have another friend named Cheyenne by the way. Which is funny. Same I love it. <laughs> same spelling. And I remember her talking about the closure that she received with her dad. And the relationship that she had in the end of his passing. And it's still so, so difficult for her. But both her and I live with a sense of some kind of closure, even if mine wasn't sitting and holding his hand in his final moments. And now I'm going to say this to you and to everyone listening take the fucking days off of work. I don't care what you think you are doing. I don't care what job you are doing. I don't care about the impact. Take the fucking day off of work if you have to take the day off of work because nobody, no company will ever care about your passing or someone else's passing and they will replace you in two weeks when that
1: background check gets cleared from the new employee that they just hired. 100 percent and i actually had a guest that straight up told me cheyenne take the fucking weekend and i said okay so this weekend my husband and i are taking a little mini road trip to rocky mountains and we're taking that three days off of work so that we can be together and we can create those memories so agreed, take the time off do it for yourself don't do it for your company your company doesn't care and you are replaceable
0: so I think that's a really good note to like leave off on the podcast. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share with anybody?
1: No final thoughts. Just a huge comment that anyone out there listening, you have, you have a platform that you can you can always reach out to me. You can reach out to Shy. We're here to be there for you. And getting my story off my chest after holding on to it for ten years was so relieving and so awe inspiring. So please reach out, get out of those relationships if you're in them and just be, do life for you. Take the time off of work, be happy, do it for you. Go to therapy, I'll join you, I'm doing it now too. (laughs)
0: I thank you, honestly, for being on here. You had a very vulnerable moment and a very – an opportunity to share your story and an opportunity for me to share a story that I've also never shared. And I appreciate you for that vulnerability and giving people a sounding board when they need it. And and for a lot of people, that's so important um you gave me a sounding board and I gave you a sounding board and that was very important. So I appreciate your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Um this season's gonna be great. And you have to just keep listening to understand how great this season's gonna be, but it's gonna be great. Keep listening. These guests are amazing. Um thank you, Cheyenne, for being on the podcast and I appreciate you. Thank you, Cheyenne, for having me. It was so nice talking to you.